to Expounded Universe, Season 18, Episode, I don't remember, it's been like two weeks. I, Oceanbound, the book, I, Jedi, by Michael Stackpole, the year, 1998, with your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast, where I am Jeff, and over there, really, really far, way over there, because we are still recording remotely, is John. And John, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, that's good to hear. We haven't recorded this in like three weeks, and you know, it's true. I I do want to apologize to mm-hmm. the listeners. Yeah, yeah. You want to apologize to the listeners? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I get it. You know, Anyone else you want to apologize to? <laughs> that's it. Mostly oh, okay. that. All right. That makes sense. I don't know if you want to like, apologize to your parents. <laughs> no, the reason we skipped one was because of my parents. That is true. Yeah. So I went to D.C. <laughs> I saw my family out there. Mm-hmm. We skipped a recording because of my flight nonsense with that. And then we skipped last week's recording because, uh, and the reason that we're not in the same room, I am uh, still waiting out the possible incubation period of exposure to COVID. Indeed. So that's that's a very scary thought, but luckily you are quite vaccinated. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I'm like, you know probably another four days or three days or something, and then it'll be past the period where you would have been, like, showing any symptoms. I'll take a little test, and if it's still negative, then hey, great. Yeah, we'll be right back to it. And, you know, it's not like I'm feeling that bad about having upgraded our sound equipment because of this little scare, because we needed to do that eventually anyway. Yeah, you know, it did. we did have to spend money because of it, but it's at, at least it isn't money it, that's like, going to go to waste entirely plus i gotta say this is this is a tax write-off hey tax write-off i'm gonna gonna file this as as part of the llc situation (laughs) the llc situation which is also the name of our two-piece acid jazz band (laughs) that's right Uh uh-huh we both play the cymbals (laughs) uh so that's good i'm glad to hear you're doing well and have yet to display any signs of COVID times. I hear you've been playing a lot of uh, uh, raunchy porn video games to pass the time. Oh, yeah. I have so many opinions on mm-hmm. the state of adult gaming in the world today. I'm sure. I, I, I've i always kind of uh, kept myself a fair distance from it. Not that I wouldn't be, you know, it's not like I avoid porn in general. I'm a, I, I'm a standard red-blooded American fellow. But, but uh, porn video games always seem to be like not my thing well there's i mean i don't know that this is the place to really get into it (laughs) oh of course it is yeah no i judgment call yes this is the place to get into it great it's a short uh, all three of these chapters are are fucking uh corn horn gets in some sky fights Uh, (laughs) corn horn does a sky fight nothing interesting happens it's boring so it's okay we can discuss (laughs) porn games 
I mean, that's not true. There's some stuff. He actually has to face off against Rogue Squadron, his own squadron. That should theoretically be super cool, so it's really weird when it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> when it's mostly just sort of an afterthought in the chapter. Yeah. So, yeah, no, this is definitely the place for you to tell me your thoughts on porn games. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm on my, my way, way to, to see it. them. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> pack it in. <laughs> I could hear it. I could. I, I had sent out my sphere of responsibility, and I could tell. <laughs> I could feel you prepping that joke. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah. No, just, you know, I understand. And we've had this conversation uh, before as well about other various, like, porn related things that aren't just like go watch a video on Pornhub. Mhm. Mm uh and I think a lot of it has to do with the fantasy of things. Sure. And how, you know, video games or, you know, writing or audio or anything can like try and feed into that much better than say just a regular porn video can. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So you know, I think the problem I yeah, like I've been saying, the pro the thing that keeps me from doing it is it seems like the art styles for for uh, online like CGI and or a animated in general pornography have ossified in directions that I am not interested in. There are some weird ways that I would like classify various games into like one of several categories of how they look because they mm -hmm. basically everyone when they're making a game pretty much has to decide what type of thing they're going to do and whether they want it to be like an anime or a weird uncanny valley cg thing yeah it won't look like poser art characters moving around yeah where everyone looks like they're prop they're they're uh side characters from like overwatch but they've got balloon asses <laughs> you know just like the main characters from overwatch <laughs> I it's funny because I was just reading an article about that <laughs> that there was like some sort of massive fan outcry that they had apparently reduced the size of Tracer's butt for Overwatch 2 wow only for it to be proved that no they didn't change her model at all only the lighting ah. <laughs> she's just always had a tiny butt and the entire discourse has always been po poisoned by that one winning pose she had like seven years ago that's been removed ah <laughs> so anyway anyway yeah anyway so uh so you got thoughts i have thoughts and uh okay. may actually I, not... even get its own show for these various thoughts that i have yeah i was gonna say i don't want to keep dragging all the thoughts out of you because i don't want to steal your creative juice from whatever you're gonna do with them oh i mean i have weird opinions about stuff in like I've been thinking about it like, oh, I can make entire episodes off various single ideas between things. Mm hmm. So don't you don't you fret, baby boy. I wasn't prepared to. I have plenty of other things about which to fret. My tiny baby uh, child. Don't you fear. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Are you going to buy me a mockingbird? <laughs> Good Lord. No. Do you know how hard it is to care for one of those things? They're also really fucking expensive. Yeah, and loud. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't actually seen a mockingbird for sale for probably my whole life, but I remember back when I, there were pet stores and malls, and there was a pet store in the mall near where I grew up uh, in Torrance, the, the, the Los Alamos Mall or whatever it was called, uh, where they had a minor bird for sale, and the fucking thing was like $4,000. 
Good God. Yeah. Every time I'd go to visit that pet store, I'd be like, look at this thing. And there's this cool little toucan looking thing there. And it was, I think it said stuff, but Lord knows I don't remember what it said. But I remember it cost $4,000. Hell yeah. It's one of those (laughs) things where you're like, oh, cool, a parrot. This costs $12,000. You're like, what? Oh, and you say it'll outlive my children? Oh, that's great. Good. Wonderful. I can't wait to have this expensive screaming burden. (laughs) Oh, what's that? If its life isn't constantly perfect forever, it'll pluck all its feathers out and constantly yell at me? Great. Same. (laughs) What a wonderful pet. (laughs) What a fantastic investment of my money. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, i've decided i want this screaming monster in my house for the rest of my life and i want it to be a burden on my children when i die i want an <laughs> i want an, an expensive dinosaur to yell at me that's my dream <laughs> and when i inevitably go out from this this mortal coil i want sage to be like ah oh, god damn it dad left me his fucking bird <laughs> now i have to take care of this yelling dinosaur <laughs> And all it says is stupid nerd crap. (laughs) It's all in there. (laughs) Right, D20 is too swingy of a die. (laughs) (laughs) The addition wars were stupid. (laughs) All right, so anyway, Star Wars. So Star Wars. When we last left off, Cornhorn had managed to... uh, worm his way into the survivors, a pirate group... Uh, yeah, it, working for the one of the Invidious. Yeah, one of ten or so pirate groups that uh, have allied themselves with the Invidious and run missions for it with it as kind of a, their insurance policy. Yeah, and he is specifically in one of the two squadrons that operate from the survivors. Uh, he is in Rock Squadron, where uh, the Better Squadron, Bolt Squadron, is the only one that actually gets noticed. Well, yeah, I to, mean, there's uh, be... there's more than those two squadrons. It's just he's in Rock and Bolt is the good one. That's true. There's, there's, there are more. Bolt is the only one where, like, Admiral Tavira is going to elevate you to her private command staff. Yeah. Bolt Squadron is like the varsity and everyone else is on JV. Yes. And uh, so that his current goal is to get on to Bolt Squadron so he can get noticed by Tavira, so he can get assigned to one of Tavira's squadrons so he can impress Tavira, so he can get information from Tavira about where his wife is so he can go rescue her. Uh, This may seem convoluted. And in fact, the first sentence of the first chapter we read today, chapter 36, is basically boils down to this got hard over the next several months. Yeah. God, every single (laughs) fucking choice (laughs) this guy makes is just like, all right, I know I've been fucking around up until now and I've wasted about a year and a half of time, but now it's time to get serious anyway. So five months from now, I'm thinking, eh, maybe this is taking a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, it feels like he's probably been looking for his wife for, or not, you know, just like learning to be a Jedi or hanging around at his grandpa's or whatever for at least a year. Oh, for sure. Like it's been a while since Mirax was taken because he didn't mm-hmm. even go to the Jedi Academy for like at least a month or two. No, he didn't. So, that, there was a whole prep session where he was like getting ready to abandon his life and take on a new face and all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, he had to grow so, an entire beard before mm-hmm. he even went there. So, you know, from 
knowledge of that, I'm going to say probably about a, at least a month before he got up to a good-sized beard to obscure his face. I honestly kind of wish that was the time we had spent with him as opposed to this pirate stuff where he's just like Man, my sitting face around itches. his fancy apartment. Yeah, with his itchy face, just playing video games day in and day out. Like, hey, Corin, do you want to go fly your X-Wing and fight bad guys? And he's like, no, my wife is missing. I need to stay in this house and eat Doritos and grow a secret beard. <laughs> It's all part of the plan. I can't can't go with you right now because it would waste the effort of growing to hide my face beard. People can't see me in transition. Are you sure this is part of a plan and not just depression? (laughs) It's vitally important. I study the many lessons that Princess Bride has to offer (laughs) so that I can rescue my wife. Uh, It's important that I don't shower or do anything all day because my wife. Anyway, I'm going to go to sleep again. Exactly. Like, what if, uh, I'm just going to spin off a hypothetical. What if I, I, if I asked Tavira where my wife is and she says, she says that she put her on one of four ships and she sent those four ships in various directions. How do I determine if she's lying? I need to watch this movie again. Study. I just have to keep studying this movie. I can't, I'm not watch it again, obviously. Study the tapes. <laughs> Study the works of the masters. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he ingratiates himself with, with a uh, rock squadron and over the next several months starts impressing them with his flying capability and leadership capability. And in fact, we, we, uh, in the opening montage portion of chapter 36, we get a part where he's like, Hey, nothing really happens for a long time because the invidious rotates crews that it use, uses for various jobs. So we have to wait our turn. And even then when it's our turn, sometimes they just use bolt squadron. So there's a lot of time that's just me training and working, but during that time, yeah, we run a couple of missions, and one of the things that happens is the guy who's in charge of me dies, and I'm elevated to his position. The end. Don't worry. No questions, please. Yeah. It was just like- No, I'm in charge oh, we of went, rock. We went on a fucking mission one time, and two people died, and one of those two people was the captain. So anyway, I'm the captain now. Yeah, just that simple. Don't want to deal with that one. Don't want to cover the death of Captain Catch or what he did to impress them enough to all vote him into leadership positions, even though he's the newest fish. Yeah. Just, it's fine. I'm the captain now. No time for that. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) So, so yeah, he is in charge of Rock Squadron, and he's made friends with a couple of people that are his, like, in his flight in Rock Squadron. And those are Kayat, which, uh, who is the, uh, the lady Shistavenin, so an yep. albino werewolf lady. Yeah, and she's in on the plot to get him into Bolt. Because, yeah. uh, you know, from last time, we know that Remart, the asshole that got voted into Bolt Squadron so they could get him out of Rock Squadron, uh, was an abuser towards her. And she's like, yeah, fuck it, let's get you into there. And then I want you to just fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. And then the other person, probably significantly less important, is Timzer. Uh, Timzer is another lady. She's like a giant woman. Yeah, they. I mean, he's got his own little squad because each squad gets then broken up into groups of three, like within yes. it. So you have like Ross Squad has like twelve people, but then you've got four groups of three. Exactly. So his group is these th- the, those other two people and himself. Timzer's not important. She's just. I'm just mentioning that just she also exists there. at all. Yes. And uh, then they finally get a chance to go on an interesting mission. Finally. Yeah. There's not, I mean, we're skipping over some stuff here. The things we're skipping over are largely that he is training his staff 
uh, because he wants them to be better pilots and to survive longer. So he's spending a lot of time having them learn ours, and they are getting closer and closer to having the one major advantage that Bolt Squadron have has over them, which is numbers of hours in the air. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like, you know, there are a bunch of different squads here, and Bolt is generally, you know, where they get the best of the best. But I'm making our squadron be like the number two. Mm-hmm. So that's happening, and at the same token, he's having kind of an, an internal monologue with himself. Where he, well, we get a whole thing, the story of, of what the uh, group's been up to, and there's a story of how he had to beat up a bunch of Y-Wings and Uglies at one point. Um, but it turned out they weren't uh, in, or Republic. They were just like local bums, ah. which meant he felt perfectly fine with blowing their asses up. No, oh, man, he never blows anyone up. And in that situation, he does. There's a part where he's like, yeah, we had to go like, raid a small area and i thought that was going to be the new republican it wasn't it was just some, some y-wings and so on he tries to keep to ion cannons so he can just disable people as much as possible but there's a story in that that section about how he sends like three ships dead to death is there though uh, <laughs> yes yeah there's a part where he's like he, there's a whole thing where he has this mental calculus he runs through in, in the chapter after this one where he's like am i willing to kill new republic troops obviously not I've been an undercover cop before, and I know the exact line I'm allowed to come to and no further. Aww. And that line apparently is property damage and theft is okay, but no killing anybody who matters. Yeah. No, when it comes to actual harm to people, he's got to be like a nice, good protector guy. Yeah. And honestly, the thing that keeps uh, coming to my mind is like, this is a plan that shouldn't take months. You know what I mean? Like, if your plan is, oh, we're going to kill, or, or I'm going to ingratiate myself to Bolt Squadron, get on board Tavira's crew, do what I got to do, it can't take you like six months. Because in six months, people will start to notice that you are unwilling to kill anyone. I mean, that's the thing, is he's like, no, that's my whole deal, is I make it so that my squadron is like, we don't kill, we always do ion bolts to things, and whenever anybody asks why, he's like, because that got way, reason. you know when we go to a place, if we raid them and leave them alive, then we can come back and raid them again later and they'll just send yeah. us stuff and we don't have to worry about fighting. That way we can farm a place rather than just show up, take some stuff, kill everyone, and then never be able to come back here. That is true. Although that's his excuse for one of them. He has a different excuse every time. Well, I mean, it's it's basically the, it's always better to leave them alive because if you go for the kill then there's no reason for them not to go for the kill so then you're just inviting death plus if you kill them you won't learn nothing <laughs> that's right i mean yeah <laughs> so so anyway that's pretty much what's what he's been up to is being very impressive to this group of ragtag tag pilots yeah his wife i assume is up to the process of still being tra ca uh, trapped somewhere in a coma i just it's been long enough at this point that I just don't even know why. Like, I, we are getting ever so closer to the end of this book. And I'm just like, yeah. are we going to find out why you would not just kidnap Mirax? Because at least that makes sense. But to be like, yeah, just for a year, we just put her in stasis for some reason. Yeah, that's another thing that we haven't even gotten into is why the heck did they kidnap Mirax at all? Yeah. 
We've the got bo- the book's only got like twelve chapters left. What are we doing here? Corin has discovered dick during this entire time. He has just been <laughs> fucking around. Well, yeah, and we've talked about this a bunch, and I'm trying to be nicer to this book, but yeah, we spend so much time up in his head that it feels like a lot of this. It, the end result is because we spend so much time seeing every one of his idle thoughts every time we see any chapter at all. It feels like he's just noodling his way through everything without any sense of urgency. Oh yeah, he's like, well. I guess I'll try out this for a couple months, see if that does anything for me. And I'm like, all right. And I honestly honestly feel like I would like him more if this book was written in third person. Because then you wouldn't, every time he he meets some person, he wouldn't be like, well, time to do a full psychological rundown on the kind of guy that Remart is. And I'm like, dude, I don't give a shit what kind of guy Remart is. Neither do you. This isn't important. Go get your wife. I mean, it's important in that he's like, ooh, Remar might make it difficult to get my wife. <laughs> yeah. I, which otherwise would be super easy, barely an inconvenience. I would have done it a year ago already. Yeah, if it weren't for this Remart and, <laughs> and that dog. <laughs> uh, well, they get called up for a mission. Yes. There's a big mission happening, and they're calling up, like, a ton of people. Like, at least... Like, several different, not just the survivors, but, like, several different of the pirate groups that they use. And, Mm -hmm. you know, several squads of survivors as well. Like, there's a lot of people going on this mission. Yeah. Oh, one last thing before we get into the mission. Um, We mentioned that Captain Catch died and that uh, now Corrin Horn is in charge of of, uh, Rock Squadron, right? What what I didn't get into is that uh, that's a scene that shows us that there's some kind of, like, future sight happening for Tavira, because halfway through that mission, she leaves. Like, right in the middle of the mission, she just leaves, and leaves the survivors there to deal with it themselves, and it kills a couple of them. But even Horn's like, yeah, the thing she went off to go do is more important than than us. We weren't in any real danger. Yeah, it was like, oh, there wasn't anyone there. No one was showing up to, like, ambush us or anything. It was just some local chodes. But she had to go show up and save, like, a hut pirate mission that was happening on Kessel, Yes, and uh, here's the thing that made that so interesting. She flew there in 18 hours, because that's how far away they were by hyperspace, and arrived exactly as the New Republic did. Yeah. It was like, oh, she she had, got, well, she got there like 20 minutes later, just so she could be a big hero about it. Yeah, but that still means that she had, within 18 hours, information as to where the New Republic was going to be and how big of a force they were going to send. Yes, extremely advanced and enough to be like, oh, you know, Horn thinks, oh, she probably knew before the 18 hours that that was going to happen, but wanted to show up just slightly late so that it would be like, ah, here I am, the hero arriving to save you, and it would endear her to these people rather than be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll just show up before it happens, or tell the hut to be like, yo, call it off. Yeah, and what's notable to to Horn in that situation was that uh, the 18 hours, either she has super advanced intelligence, right? Like, I don't mean like she's super smart. I mean, it's like she has a really good spy network uh, that she would know that the three uh, New Republic ships were going to be out around Kessel at that time, uh, or she's got a force user who's telling her when and where to go places. Yeah. Uh, but Horn is leaning towards the latter, even though the former makes a lot more sense normally, because uh, to his mind, the three Corellian Corvettes that were out there patrolling uh, the 
the Kessel space didn't make sense as a group that were sent there to accomplish something. He thought it was just a routine patrol. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's thinking that she doesn't have any advanced knowledge because there wasn't anything secret or important happening when those three ships were there. She just used some sort of future site, uh, presumably that dark force user who stands behind her that we saw in a vision low those many chapters ago. Oh, back when Exarcoon was fucking around. <laughs> remember him? Ah, remember Exarcoon when he used to fuck around? Remember this book used to be about Jedi stuff? Yeah, it's not. Uh, so anyway, yeah, called up to a big new thing. And what's the big new mission? Why, they have to go raid a place called Zafel. Yeah, it's uh, important to the Kuat drive yards. It's got a bunch of like ready-made hyperdrives in there, so very uh important target you can get a ton of super expensive equipment that not only can you sell but horns like being able to give it to like other imperial remnants and things will put them in her debt as well so you know a big important mission yes and uh it, they, they make an interesting job out of describing zafel it's um it, basically it, it's a, a Kuat Drive Yard subsidiary. It's its own place, but they work very closely with the Kuat Drive Yard's people, uh, the Kuati, as they're known, which they're, I believe they're a human society, just like Corellia. Uh, but because making hyperdrives is apparently like just terrible for an environment, yeah, they're far, they're far away, and they're a place where environmental regulations are not up to the same snuff as they are in in uh, the Kuat Drive Yards themselves. So Zafel is not a nice place to go. Like the air there is so acrid and acidy that you have to wear special equipment so it doesn't burn away your skin. Oh yeah, no the 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 drive yards and everything have just been like, uh, we're doing business and we don't give a shit. We will pollute as hard as possible, uh, mm -hmm. even though they have been told by the Republic several times, like, hey, cut the shit. But the Republic hasn't been able to enforce it because of you know like the Emperor coming back and shit like that. Exactly. So there have been like some mandates being made by the New Republic, like, hey, you guys have uh, environmental regulations you have to uphold now. And basically the Kuat people have been like, ah, no, nah, I like money more. <laughs> so so uh, that's where they're headed. And I, I, I heard all that stuff about how hyperdrives are crazy valuable. And the first thing that thought crossed my mind is how come this place isn't constantly heavily guarded then? Oh. But, you know, maybe it normally is and their forces are badly divided by current situations after all there are a lot of imperial remnants around at this point in the story well yeah and i mean you gotta understand that's why they're bringing like the invidious is going along itself as well as all of these you know smaller gunboats the backstab is coming you know so i oh, think everybody was coming yeah yeah so they're like oh you know it's not like they're not assuming there's going to be uh like resistance there they assume there will be yes yeah so uh but yeah everyone's wondering how big of a fight it's gonna be and more or less we, we get a little bit of pre preamble for the mission uh there's a section where it's established they, they get to ride to zafel in the invidious's hangar bays yeah and uh during that time they kind of have to interact with the other members of various squadrons so there's a little bit of a little bit of clash with uh, with Remart again, uh, and and the person who's actually in charge of Bolt Squadron because Remart is not the captain of, captain of that uh, Bolt Squadron is called like Gert K. Siri or something like that. Oh, Gert! 
Yeah, it was like Gert with two T's and then like K Terry or something like that. Uh, so we get a little bit of conversation with those two, and we also meet the squadrons of, uh, I think it's actually TIE fighters and stuff that serve Tavira on board her ship. Yeah. Uh, she, she has her own squadrons, and those squadrons are going to be being paired up with squadrons from the survivors for the purposes of this mission. Yeah, so it's like, oh, the invidious's saber squadron will be paired up with rock squadron to go out yeah so eventually they get there they pile out into space there's zafel all right and right as they get there horn is hit by a sense that that uh shit's fucked up so he goes he takes a a long-range sensor look and sure enough there's his old pals rogue squadron well yeah i mean the big thing is they get pulled out of hyperspace just slightly early because there's an interdictor and a bunch of motherfuckers there Yes. And the fact that the Republic has interdictors is a whole new thing in and of itself. Yeah. But, uh, but if you if you aren't familiar with those, interdictors are a type of ship in Star Wars that radiate a big field that if you happen to fly through it in hyperspace, now you aren't anymore. You fall out of hyperspace immediately. And you can't go back into it as long as you are within range of them. Exactly. So they're a very powerful tool for the purposes of stopping uh, interstellar travel. Yeah. and it- So yeah, they get... Go ahead. It turns out, like, they show up and they're like, ah, yeah, we're going to go fuck up this yard. But there are, like, fucking Moncal cruisers and a bunch of, like, little gunships and a fuck ton of fighters. And they're like, oh, this is this is a whole shitload more than I thought we were going to have to deal with. Yeah, and this is our big moment where uh, <laughs> Horn has this kind of mental reverie about what he's willing to do in this circumstance. He's like, yeah, you know, when I was working for uh, for Corsac, I had to go undercover cop a lot. And when you go undercover cop, there's rules. You can you can destroy property. You can steal stuff. You can't kill anyone. Yeah, uh, so, but, but am I willing to kill people now? I mean, this is a deadly serious situation. Rogue Squadron is definitely going to try and kill us. <laughs> Well, I mean, his whole thing is he's like, oh, yeah, I can I can see they've got like a bunch of fighters. They've got some Y wings or whatever. And then when he finds like, oh, Rogue Squadron is actually coming up from Zafel, he's like, OK, everybody, uh, plan is don't get near the X wings. <laughs> yeah. He's like, OK, look, he has all these code words for them. They're called like so X wings are crosses. Yep. You got crosses and, and wishbones for the Y wings. And Slims, I think, for the A-Wings. And there was at least one more that's probably B-Wings, but I don't remember what it was. Um, But he's like, look, everyone stay away from the crosses. Don't go anywhere near those. That's Rogue Squadron. They will murder you. Uh, Instead, let's just use ion cannons to take out the Y-Wings as much as possible. And, of course, because this is a routine event in every one of these these, uh, stories of him flying with the pirate crew, someone has to be like, no, vape them all. I hate their lives. And he's like, great. Then you go fucking fight Rogue Squadron. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully that was someone on a different squadron, so he doesn't have to worry about them, like, breaking his chain of command. So he can pretty much just gleefully send them off to their guaranteed death at the hands of Tycho Selchu. Yeah, he's like, look, we are going to use ion cannons and just leave people adrift. And when, you know, Captain Gert is like, uh, why? He's like, oh, because it'll take longer. Because if we zap them and they have to float then the Republic has to actually go try and save them, which means they aren't trying to kill us, which means we can get the fuck out of here. Exactly. He's always got a really good excuse ready. And that, honestly, that's a very good one. If you leave survivors around, then yeah, they, they, they're going to have to leave a humanitarian contingent to uh, protect their fighters Yeah, and or save their, their crews. Yeah. He's like, look, if we do that, it means we've got a bunch of like 
essentially areas of the fight where they don't want to try and blow stuff up because they're like, oh, we've still got men out there that are just stranded. And so, you know, he's like, it'll it'll make it so that it is easier for us to get away if we just leave a bunch of stranded pilots. Mm hmm. So obviously his squadron buys that because he's their captain anyway, but other squadrons are not being so nice. So they're going out to try and fight rogue squadron and so on and getting their asses kicked in turn. Also, as he approaches, he, he's like, all right, well, I have not used a force power in months because I'm really worried about being noticed by whatever the heck it is that is advising to Vera. But for the purposes of this mission, for safety's reasons, I am going to really quickly use some force stuff. So the first thing he does is he reaches out to where he's pretty sure uh, Tycho is the captain, the current leader of Rogue Squadron, and uh, sends him a mental image. And the mental image is the current ship that Corrin Horn is flying, turning into Corrin Horn's X-wing. Yeah. Uh, so the idea, I guess, the idea is to suggest, like, hey, th it's me in this ship. Don't kill this one ship, please. Or honestly, any of us. Please, thanks. Please try not to murder us. Thank you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what or how Tycho is going to respond to that. I don't know what he's going to make of it. Uh, Tycho is not, uh, no, he is privy to what I'm currently, or, or where I had been, he, but he probably still thinks I'm at the Jedi Academy. Yeah, I mean, he only really talked about infiltrating the uh, the survivors with, uh, what's his nuts, Mirax's uh, dad. Bo boost, booster, Booster, Booster Tarek. Yeah, yeah uh, so... so so basically, he he tries to follow through on this plan. He's like, look, let's just go F up these Y-Wings. And sure enough, they do. They fly out. He has a couple of quick descriptions of dogfighting with Y-Wings where they like try to get away. He points out that some of them have tail gunners, so you got to be extra careful with their ion cannons. But he ion cannons a bunch of them so that they're kind of dead in the water. But do, doing this and doing it efficiently draws the attention of Rogue Squadron because they're like, wow, that guy is a legitimately good pilot. Let's go kill him for for uh, for, you know. For the temerity. rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How dare you be good at flying? <laughs> but then again, that's the way, whenever we read the Rogue Squadron stories, that's always what happens. It's always like Horn is flying around. He's like, one of these uh, TIE fighter pilots is really good. I'm going to kill him. Yeah, it's it's so weird to me, though, to be like, all right, here is a huge fucking space battle. And everyone is trying to murder everyone else except for this one small weird group that is like just ion cannoning people. And they'd be like, oh, we better go take out the guys who are using non-lethal. And you're like, that feels like a waste of your time. Yeah, kind of. It definitely feels like Rogue Squadron has maybe forgotten that they, when they have missions, they need to like complete the mission objectives not find the coolest guy on the other side and missile him yeah they're like oh man we need to go find anyone that's rad and make sure that they don't live <laughs> like you know go get that star destroyer that's the reason you're here nah that guy's real cool <laughs> can't have cool guys that that's uh that won't fly have you seen that guy does flippies and barrel rolls <laughs> i love that guy i gotta murder he beat him a y wing <laughs> but anyway one by one rogue squadron comes for him and we get descriptions of each one of these there's only three of them that we have to, to discuss uh the first one is gavin i don't know who that is that's the first mention i've heard of him uh i thought it might have been a different guy um because there was a, a Red Squadron pilot whose name was Garvin Dreas. But this is someone just named Gavin. Yeah, Gavin 
Dark Lighter. Dark Lighter. He's <laughs> apparently the little brother of Biggs. Yeah. I new character to me. I, I guess if we'd been reading the Rogue Squadron books, I'd be all up on it. I'm sure if I had ever read anything about Rogue Squadron, I would be like, yeah, obviously, Gavin, duh. Everybody knows Gavin. Oh, he's Big Stark Lighter's cousin. Okay, oh. there you go. But yeah, so he, he shows just dispatches up. him like nothing. Yeah, Gavin's like, I'm going to get him. And he's like, oh, look at you, little cousin. Oh, I'm going to take you out. So he just kind of gets around behind him and ion cannons him and that's the end of that but then horn's own wingman comes for him and that's Uriel. we met him at the beginning of this book the the gand finesman yeah we get that bug wingman who's like all right it's time for me to take you out he's like fuck this guy's i don't know if he's gotten better since i left or if he normally just held back subconsciously when we were doing training missions because he didn't want to shoot me but fucking Uriel has got his shit together <laughs> yeah i wonder if it wasn't just that corn horn was so up in his own head the whole time that he didn't notice that uriel rules <laughs> uriel fucking rules <laughs> so he's definitely having a hard time getting away from uriel who manages to stay on his tail for forever but he finally gets around behind him and he's tracking him and waiting for the perfect shot when suddenly uriel gets uh ion cannoned by timzer well yeah uh, he manages to get the best of Uril by basically uh, planting the idea that he has a tell. So he's like, I, yes. I'll fly and I'll do stuff, and then I'll always do the same three maneuvers, one right after the other. So it's like, I'll dive down, and then I'll roll left, and then I'll punch up, and I always do those three in that order, and I'll do a bunch of other flying in between, but when I start doing that maneuver, I always do those three so that by mm -hmm. the third time he does it, he's like, oh, Uriel now knows this is what I'm going to do. So I'll fuck with him. Yeah. So he does it again, but this time changes the last step, gets behind Uriel, but is waiting for a clean shot when Uriel gets hit by an ion cannon shot by Timzer's. I think these ships they are flying are called clutches, but they're also tie tri-wings. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, he timster comes up over the radio and he's like hey you're welcome good uh, you know i i got him got him and uh but <laughs> horn's not happy about it because the shot has put uriel on an inesc inescapable collision course with the planet yeah he's he was facing towards the planet when all of his systems went down but of course you know he just ejects mm -hmm. he's fine he was really worried that he wouldn't be. He was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to have to watch my old wingman die. I don't want to do this. And then he just ejects, and he's like, oh, right, X-Wings. You could just come out <laughs> oh, of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's not oh, just a death he, trap. Even his droid is fine. <laughs> I didn't and <laughs> have permission to kill off Uriel's droid, even. <laughs> And that's when the big dog comes, one Mr. Tycho Selchu himself. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, I had been kind of using the force against Rogue Squadron because they are the best of the best. And even if I am very good, they are also on my level. So, mm -hmm. you know, I got to get every advantage I can. And he's but like, there are two people that are way above his level as X-Wing pilots. Oh, yeah. He's like, look, when you read someone's mind, sometimes people are like real slow thinkers takes them a while to get to a place and you can just follow along with them other people think fast but you can travel and figure mm -hmm. out where they're going and then motherfuckers like taiko selchu are just like hi i'm a robot and you can't figure out what the fuck i'm doing yeah he's like i have never understood how taiko works his mind is 
beyond mine entirely. He is like a never-ending... He's an anime guy who's always pushing up his glasses so that the light shines off them. Oh, yeah. He's like, all he does is he finds a thing and goes, that's a target, and I'm going to put him in the target box, and anytime he tries to leave, I'm going to put him back in the target box. And I know how to keep him in the... And I'll offer him things that look like ways out of the target box, but they just lead to the better target box. Yeah. He's like, I don't... I don't get it. Fucking Wedge and Tycho just absolutely blow my goddamn mind on how they can do this. Yeah, he's he has a point where he's like, I got to respect them because they can do what I can do without the force. And I'm like, they can also do what you can't do. They are better. They are both better pilots than you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he's. He gets into it with uh, to Tycho for and just cannot shake this guy. He is just too good of a pilot. Keeps him in the box the whole time, and to the point where he even just gets a radio call at one point. It's like, "Hey, uh, Idanian," because in case you've forgotten, right now he is pretending to be Genos Idanian. Yep, um, Idanian. The Invidious is leaving. If you would like a ride, come to the Invidious. Yeah. And he's like, cool, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I do not want to fight Tycho anymore. <laughs> I have been using all of my skills to just not get shot. Yeah, so he does some trick to get out of his line of sight for a second and then starts bolting for the Invidious, only to realize that Tycho has left him a parting shot, a pair of uh, heat-seeking, super high-speed space torpedoes. Yeah, he shoots some proton torpedoes at him because he got a target lock while he was getting away, and he's like, here you go, buddy, have a ease on your way. <laughs> we don't leave cool guys that's rogue squadron's motto hey i see you were about to leave i would like you to be dead instead only cool Mm -hmm. guys are allowed in rogue squadron and nowhere else yep so now there's a pair of proton torpedoes on his ass but luckily horn knows how to deal with proton torpedoes he was taught how to by Tycho. yeah he's like oh Tycho has a way to deal with these so that's good so he does a thing where he accelerates as much as he can to get the torpedoes to accelerate because they're much faster than him anyway, and then slams on the brakes so that one of them flies past him, shoots that one, spins around, shoots the other one. Yeah, he, he does some nice fancy flying and manages to shoot both of them down. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the other thing worth noting here is that uh, the t- if the proton torpedoes didn't hit him, they would have hit the Invidious. Yes. I mean, if you were looking just sort of in general you could have thought that they were being shot at the invidious rather than him even because he was mm-hmm. just headed back toward the invidious yes so uh by by blowing up the torpedoes he isn't just stopping them from chasing him for forever he's also protecting the flagship yeah and of but course he manages to blow them both up <laughs> go ahead Tycho then gets on the horn with him and is like hey man nice flying dude <laughs> yeah that was great opens up some like wide cast thing and he's like Hey, uh, hey, Clutch, that was some fancy flying. And uh, he even responds. Horn turns on. He's like, hey, I didn't want you to think I was a green pilot, rogue leader. Anyway, bye. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Hope you don't recognize my voice or anything. I know your number one ability is super thinking. I mean, the thing is, at that point, he's got to be like, oh, sweet. My actual ability to talk to him without it seeming weird. Because then he can be like, yes, hello, rogue lead. It's me. <laughs> A different pilot, Mr. Thompson. Genos Idanian. I'm sure glad you didn't kill me, Rogue Lead, who I don't know the name of. But if you would ever like to get together and eat some corn, well, you should call me up on the horn. I'm Corn Horn. 
the corn horn. Use the corn horn to contact me. My name is Geno Sidanian. Bye. <laughs> and he gets on board the ship. And, uh, you know, his crew helps him get down. Turns out he's super woozy and light on his feet because fighting all of Rogue Squadron by yourself is a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, he just spent the last however long of flying with his ass absolutely clenched. So by the time he gets out, he's like, Jesus, fuck, that took a lot out of me. Yeah. And eventually, uh, just like you'd expect, we get the moment where Tavira shows up on the flight deck to kind of inspect the troops and pick people to be on her squadron oh, yeah, the way she always does. Even when he gets out of uh, his clutch, uh, Horn is like, all right, well, we didn't lose many. We lost a few people. That's fine. And then he looks over and he's like, damn, <laughs> the TIE fighters for the uh, the Invidious did not fare as well. No, they got royally fucked up, and uh, so did everybody who he was talking to before the story that was like, we're going to go get those tight, those X-Wings. And he was like, uh, no, don't, <laughs> that, please, stop. That dumb. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so there's a lot of openings, effectively. Well, yeah. The one when... place where there aren't is Bolt Squadron. Bolt, everyone's from Bolt Squadron is fine. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> well, I mean, like, Rock Squadron, fine. Bolt Squadron, fine. A couple, you know, randos from a few of the other Survivor Squadrons got taken out. And Specifically, two people from Rock Squadron got vaped. Uh, their their names were Bluke and Yander, and they, they got killed because they decided to go after a target that they thought would be very impressive to one of the pirate leaders. Yeah, because someone was going after, like, the backstab. So they were like, oh, let's break off and try and take them out. Yeah, and they they uh, ate dirt and died for it, and uh, no one cared in the end. No <laughs> and it one was turned like, out, wow, those guys matter. were big heroes. <laughs> they were like those two stupid idiots should have stayed in formation. <laughs> even uh. even Horn, who's like, oh, those two guys that were under my command are dead. He's like, yeah, well, that was gonna happen. Well, yeah, they were dumb, so you know. <laughs> so anyway, here comes Tavira, and oh god, I. The less time this book spends with Tavira from this point forward, the happier I will be. I mean, the thing is, at least in this part, I was like, wow, book, you're being really restrained on being horny. Because at least when she gets introduced here in this part of the chapters, it's like, oh, she looks super fierce. She's, you know, even though she's way smaller than like the stormtroopers, she projects like a big aura she's very menacing she's clearly very calculating and it no at no point in her introduction here is it like also dead ass doe blow yeah unlike yeah. We're gonna, spoiler alert we're, later <laughs> yeah we get another chapter where oh my god there's nothing that makes me, that makes me want out of Corin Horn's head. Like, <laughs> even setting aside all the times he's describing how much of like a dirty copy used to be and so on, the parts where he's like talking to a woman are always the worst. Yeah, and it is, I would say, the worst we have seen so far coming up. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she comes out and. Basically, she walks up and down the line, kind of doing the whole, like, I could kill any one of you or reward you kind of stuff. The other thing that's, that we learn about her at this point is that she has what is called a quart, and yeah. she keeps that quart on her at all times. That's like a little, it's like a riding crop. Yeah, this is a little riding crop. Yeah, it's not quite one of those, but it's close enough. And she, you know, of course, eventually goes up to the survivors and is like, all right, which one of you 
gave the uh, command to use ion cannons and not try and kill people and instead just leave them alive. And, yeah, you and know, that turns out to be Gert Kaysiri, uh because Gert was basically uh, Horn fed her that idea. Yeah, Horn was like, hey, we should do this. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll relay that to everybody. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, apparently like, the uh, TIE fighter like colonel that she had went, that shit sucks. Yeah. And she even points that out. She's like, hey, so I heard you guys give an order to use, uh, you know, non-lethal fire so they'd have to stay and not chase us. You'll note that the TIE fighter commander that did not give that order is not here on the deck right now. Yeah, he is not around in order and, to uh, defend anyway, his Gert, position of to, going uh, be with elevated lethal. To, my, to, to status of flying on my ship. And she's like, sure, but. I got to be fair. That wasn't my idea. It was Genos Idanian over there. It was his idea. Yeah. And she's so, like, cool. I guess you're in, in charge of bolt everybody. Now. She elevates Gert to flying on one of the squadrons of her, of her TIE fighter battalion. And then she tries to assign Idanian to being bolt squadron. Now she's just like, and you, because you're smart, you get her old job. And then Remart's like, uh, ma'am, we don't, we, we, uh, don't work that way. He has to be like elected or whatever. Yeah. And you can tell she's like, an inch away from killing Remart immediately. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're so pretty and I don't want to murder you, but you need to shut the fuck up right now when adults are talking. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and yeah, she does think he's pretty and God, do I ever. Okay. So the whole deal with, with Tavira is any attractive men. She immediately like tries to bring in close to her so she can fuck them. Yeah. She's like, oh, you go in the harem. Yeah. So uh, Remart's going in the harem, but but uh, so she doesn't want to kill him yet because he's too pretty. But she's like, all right, stupid. Never talk again. Uh, fine. If you guys use fucking democracy, which is stupid, uh, raise your hand if you guys think that this guy should be in Bolt Squadron. And everybody on Rock Squadron raises their hand. Uh, except Horn, because Horn's got to be a big smug piece of shit at all times. Well, yeah, he's like, so, no, I don't want to be in there because I've got my people to look after. And she's like, I don't give yeah. a fuck. And, uh, and I'm also like, no, you don't. Those are some fucking pirates. Your your duty is to your fucking wife. And like your entire goal was to work your way up to Bolt Squadron so you could work your way up to the Invidious. Why you would be like, nah, I'm, well, right now I'm going to remember. I'm like, don't be a dumbass. I'm sure it's because he's playing 12th dimensional mind chess bullshit where he's like, He's like, if uh, if I say no to her now, I will become more noticeable to her. I'll be a person who said no. Well, you see, while She'll in the character this. of Idenian, he would say no. So I'm like, oh, God damn it. I don't care. <laughs> no one cares. But, but she knows I'd say no. <laughs> but anyway, she puts him on Bolt Squadron, and then she immediately does the same thing again. She's like, also, ra- Bolt Squadron people, raise your hand if this guy should be in charge of Bolt Squadron. And everybody but Remart raises their hand. And then she whacks Remart with the fucking riding crop, and he's like, yeah, okay, fine, and raises his hand. And great. Hooray. Now Idanian is in charge of Bolt Squadron. Yep, there you go. And that's most of that chapter. At this point, it is now time for the individual interview segments of this of the storyline. Yeah, we get a thing where they go back to uh their planet and they're hanging out but they are having a like debriefing thing where one by one anyone who is in the fight uh has to go have like a little personal interview with knive the leader of the pirates and tavira mm-hmm and so uh eventually it, it, it takes a while before it's horn's turn a lot of other people have already gone over and done this 
but eventually it's his job. He gets summoned. So he heads into a little room where the two of them are waiting for him. And, uh, he sits down and, oh boy, this is the point where he finally starts to notice that Tavira kind of hot. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Cause of course she's like, Hey, there, sexy. I've got sex eyes and I'm making sex face at you we get we get these constant descriptions of what her tongue is doing oh yeah it's like and she's got these lidded (laughs) eyes and her tongue's flicking out and i'm like yeah it's called talking and looking you pervert she's she's talking to you and he's like i can tell from this distance that she wants to fuck me immediately and i'm like dude you've thought that about every woman you've met so far in these books including the werewolf (laughs) (laughs) and i've never been wrong He's wrong this time, and it's kind of great. The thing but is, yeah, he, get, we get, he isn't. I uh, know. He just pisses her off. But yeah, basically, he um, in his mind, he's like, look at the rack on this lady and the wasp waist. And also, for a woman who where I know exactly how old she is, she kind of looks super young, almost teenage young. This is doing stuff to me. Oh, yeah. Like, she ain't got I, them crow's feet. No laugh lines. This is awesome. You're like, dude, stop it. Come on, man. And he even in the middle of it is like, nope, remember, Mirax, you are happily married. And he's like, but no, no. (laughs) I got to be honest. I never have these internal arguments about whether or not I'm attracted to people when I meet them. I'm not like, "Ah, try to remember, you've got a girlfriend and a child. No, I just I just do, you know. I'll meet someone and be like, damn, they hot. And then mm-hmm. that's about the end of it. That's yeah. I don't really have much of an internal monologue about it. But boy, oh boy, does he ever. He narrates every woman he ever meets. <laughs> and the moment they start talking, he's like, oh, my God. Do you see the way her tongue comes out to touch her lips when she talks? That's a sign that she wants to fuck me immediately. <laughs> I learned that in cop school. Anytime mm. a lady talks, it means they want to fuck you. It's just unpleasant. This scene sucks. <laughs> But basically, she let's go ahead and assume that she's a professional, even though realistically she isn't, because as horny as they've written horn, she's hornier. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, this entire meeting is basically like, hey, so do you know what a Jedi is and are you a Jedi? (laughs) Yeah, because someone sensed that a Jedi was present. And the other thing that was important was up until this point, they've they've clashed with Rogue Squadron before and there weren't any Jedis on Rogue Squadron. Yeah, because, you know. As we have learned and everything, uh, Tavira has some Force-sensitive people or a person with her, and so... I think it's her at this point. I think she's the Force-sensitive one. I don't. (laughs) Oh, okay. I think it's just some dudes that she got. (laughs) That could very well be. I mean, that's that's my current guess, is that she's slightly Force-sensitive, and she has realized that... uh, that the best way to keep that from becoming a problem for her getting assassinated or anything is to hire a guy to stand behind her in a creepy mask. Yeah, but that would be too smart, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. They're not going to uh, give this lady force powers? What are you kidding? <laughs> She's too I sexy ge- to have force powers. I suppose that's true. I genuinely don't know. Uh, this is That's just my current guess. But yeah, while they're doing the little interview and she's like, hey, do you know what a Jedi is? Horn feels a probe coming in to like look at his brain meats. And he's like, all right, well, 
I guess I'll just try and recall everything I have ever known about a Jedi from when I was a kid and like think about all the hollow net shit and dramas and whatever and just feed them everything I can that isn't the truth of me being a Jedi. Yeah, so he basically just fills his mind with like comic books and movies and crap from his childhood. And he's like, yeah, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Jedi. I, I even heard that one of them destroyed the Death Star. I think his name was like Gavin Starkiller or Luke Biggs or something. <laughs> yeah, or, and he's like, oh, uh, yeah. I get it now. There must have been a Jedi there. It was probably the guy who was fighting me because... You know, he used proton torpedoes, and that Luke guy who blew up the Death Star used proton torpedoes, and those are the only two people who have ever used them ever. <laughs> that Yeah, she, that's great when he's like, the Death Star was destroyed with photon torpedoes. Those are his signature weapon. What? Or wouldn't wouldn't lightsabers be his, because he's a Jedi, wouldn't it be? Would it be lightsaber? Uh, I, I I don't know. I you can't lightsaber idiot. someone in space. <laughs> hey, that that uh, Star Wars Origins anime thing would t- would uh, tend to disagree with you. <laughs> well, that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but but yeah, he just fills his mind with stupid information about Jedi from his youth and lets lets them dig around in that. And he's like, I get it now. Yeah, they probably have a Jedi. That makes the most sense. And they're immediately like, wow, uh, Genocidanian, you sure are smart and important, because if there's one thing this book needs, it's, you know, for for Cornhorn to get a compliment every three minutes. Well, I love that it was like, wow, you're the only person we've interviewed to put it together Mm -hmm. that there was a Jedi. And I'm like, really? No one the second you asked them do you know what a Jedi Knight is? Went mm-hmm. what was there one there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the moment, yeah, because that's she literally just goes, "What do you know about the concept of a Jedi Knight?" And he just goes, "Oh, there must have been one there then, huh?" No one else did that. Not a single person. Yeah, you'd think that you're like, oh, if you're asking me about what I know about Jedi, then probably either a Jedi tipped the Republic off that we would be there or a Jedi was there. Right. That, I mean, why else yeah. would you ask me? I love, I love the idea that every other person that, th- that she asked is like, what <laughs> every other person she asked was like, do you know what a Jedi knight is? And they were like, yes. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, or just nah, man, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of anything. <laughs> that sounds like a hokey old religion to me. <laughs> sounds like bullshit. <laughs> I do like that we do find out that the reason the Republic was there in force was just, you know, bullshit trying to enforce the rules and they weren't there to catch them. It was not an ambush. They were just there because they were trying to run a diplomatic like they're running up the colors to try to force the planet Zafel to to deal with their stupid environment problems. Yeah, they just showed up in force to be like, hey, we are actually here to enforce things. We are going to have a show of force to scare you into giving a fuck about your planet. And then it just happened to be at the same time that this raid was happening. Right. Which, uh, so, you know, yeah, let's, uh, they- it lets Horn know, oh, whatever your information is probably isn't coming from someone in the Republic telling you about movements or else you would have known they would be there. It has to be like a force thing of if there is a threat to you personally. Huh, yes, exactly. Um, so they pay him a bunch of compliments, and she's like, well, if you're so important, then I might have a special mission for you. And, of course, in his mind, he immediately is like, ah, 
she wants to fuck me because she's hot and a lady. Yeah, and he's just like, hey, pardon me, miss. I think you're super hot and sexy, but I ain't fucking you. (laughs) Good job. Upon being told that, she just immediately whips him in the face with her little riding crop thing. I was like, well, I didn't want to fuck you anyway. Yeah, she's like, how dare you presume to know my sexual wiles, even though they're extraordinarily famous, apparently. Uh, As you know, I do not like blonde men, and you are oh so blonde. A shame that you're so blonde. I find that blondes and I never go well together. Yeah. So uh, if you think that I should give you a mission that'll probably kill you in an airplane or space plane, then congratulations. You've earned a mission that'll probably kill you in a space plane. It'll be here next week. Mr. Doesn't want to fuck me, apparently. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, great, cool. Fucks off, goes to the local bar. And then Remart's like, hey, drinks on me because... (laughs) <laughs> Tavira wants oh, to Remart. fuck me. Yeah, because when Remark got called in for his thing, where they were, where she was like, "Hey, do you know what a Jedi Knight is?" and he was like, "Nah, lady, I know what penises is. <laughs> all I know is dicking down. All right. <laughs> all I know is I'm going to thrust in that direction. And if anyone's still over there, that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I know is tell lie, eat hot chip, <laughs> and give dicking." <laughs> so uh so he's all happy about it and trying to bury the hatchet with uh with horn uh I, which makes perfect sense i mean th- the whole thing is he's been apparently the leader of bolt squadron for a couple of weeks at this point because we've had yet another time skip yes and uh he he noticed that uh up until this point remart has managed to grab two random guys from bolt squadron and form a little three-man anti-corn horn wing yeah and he was like fine whatever you guys can be your own little squad i'm gonna put yeah, you three, three together, together fuck off he's you guys are wingmen and the moment i get the chance i'm gonna send you up against tycho or pash kraken's a-wing squadron and laugh when you all get vaporized yeah i'm gonna find the hardest baddest ass republic squad i can and be like you guys go take care of them <laughs> So, but, uh, that's been a couple of weeks now of him being a problem in the back in the, on the back burner and horn being like, I got to deal with this eventually. Cause otherwise he'll do something that'll fuck my, fuck up my plans. But here he is all happy. Like, let me buy you a drink water under the bridge. I want you to be my captain and I want to be your friend. And as he goes stumbling off, Kayat's like, uh, it's cause, uh, Tavira going to bone him down. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't want Tavira to bone him. And they're like, what are this you jealous? A- this is the stupidest part of this fucking book, and this book's been pretty stupid. The part where he's like, they're like, are you jealous of him? And he's like, no, that's dumb. Why would I be jealous? And then in his mind, he's like, hmm, genetically, the reason I would be jealous is because men should land women and stop other men from landing women so they can pass along their genetic information. That's just bio-truths. Look, I don't want to, I don't. I'm horny for bio-truths. <laughs> I don't want to bang her because not because I don't want to bang her. I do want to bang her very much. It's just that I'm a happily married man, or at least I'm a happily estranged for like a year and several weeks now, man. Uh, So I don't want to bang her, but I also don't want this other guy to bang her. Oh, wait a minute. Due to the the power of bio truths, I am jealous. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you only knew like three things about Tavira up to this point, And one of them was that she kept a harem of handsome men. <sighs> How is this the first time you're like, 
wait, she wants to bang other dudes? Wait a minute. Like, I... Yes, that's like the only thing about her. Yeah, but, you know, before now, he wasn't on the menu. But now that it's like, I could have been banging her. Now I don't want anyone else to bang her. Yeah, this is gross. But that's actually where the chapter ends, too. Oh, yeah. Him being like, I am jealous of this guy. And I'm like, please don't end the chapter on that. That is a fucking shit cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. The fact that you're like, oh, what's the end of this? Oh, it's a page and a half where I'm like, damn, I really do want to stick it to that young looking Imperial. But uh, I guess I won't. Have you ever looked up pictures of Leona Tavira? No. They draw her as like a 14 year old Asian lady. Nice. Oh, it is. There's a picture of her with some stormtroopers, and it's just like a little kid. It is. <laughs> it, it it is not okay. Huh? <laughs> so, just so you know, I mean, I'm I'm gonna send you the picture right here. I'm just gonna. Oh shit! Oh, oh my god! Folks, because we are remote. I'm on. I'm sending that to your Facebook right now. No, nah, man. I've all. I'm sure I am currently looking at the picture you want to send me. <laughs> Like you see what I mean? This looks like a fucking twelve-year-old. What the fuck is this? <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those storm. She's not even up to their shoulders. No the stormtroopers. She's are up to the blasters. <laughs> it's, she's like elbow high to stormtroopers. She looks like a little kid. And for all the time that we have to li- to hear Horn being like, "Hmm, yeah, check out this." La-. You see what she's doing with her tongue? That's what a mature lady does when she's ready for some vaginal stimulation. And when you look at the picture, you're like, "Get on a list, Horn. Get on a list of people who belong in the ocean. You now, ocean." <laughs> I'm Grant. I'm I'm assuming that is just a particularly bad picture. I get or like a very old like oh this was when she was first starting out or something because there are other pictures where she looks you know more slightly like an adult like at least you know 17 quite she never quite looks like an adult in any of these but in that one it's still like no 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 yeah (laughs) wrong wrong and bad you expect that's the kind of picture where you expect Horn to be like, wow, normally I'd say no, but she is a thousand-year-old dragon in that body. <laughs> uh, ocean. Gr- gross. Gross, Horn. Gross. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. We end on Horn thinking like, I am jealous of this other guy. And I'm like, dude, I don't want that to be the, what the next chapter's about. The last thing I give a shit about is your little dick feud with Remart. Who gives a fuck? Find your fucking wife. Jesus Christ. Get it together. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's where we're done. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thanks. This isn't unpleasant at all. <laughs> uh, as always, we're going to go make bonus content where we... uh we find stuff on Wikipedia that's fun to talk about and talk about it. That's right. And, uh, and- you know, you can go over to <laughs> patreon.com slash system mastery to join us at the $2 level to get all of that bonus content. Of course, that also unlocks all the system mastery bonus content. And if you bump up to the $5 level, you also get our TV mastery and the afterthought monthly show. Yeah, it's an absolutely great deal. It'll help us out a lot and keep let us keep doing what we do, what we love so much, which is making this show for you and all the other shows that we also make for you. So go and support us. And if you can't, we understand. But hey, maybe buy one of our cookbooks or our cocktail guide or maybe just leave us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher or something. 
Yeah. How about that? Maybe. That's easy, right? Maybe write us yeah. a letter once in a while. Yeah. How come you never write? You never call? Good. Oh, go on. Just just turn off the podcast and leave us here in the dark. <laughs> yeah. The second you turn off the podcast, we do just sit in the dark until someone listens it's to it. It's true. That's what we always do is just sit quietly in the dark until things happen. We're like the animatronic band at a pizza place. Until the lights come <laughs> on and it's time to perform, we just sit in the dark motionless. That's us, the rock of fire system mastery. <laughs> we get, we come to life dramatically and do a whole podcast, play a short acid jazz number where both of us are on cymbals, and then we just disengage and go back behind the curtain. That's right. It's me, John Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> and I, of course, am the country Jeff. <laughs> Would you like to come to my chamboree? <laughs> All right, we're done. I've been Elan Sleeves Pagano. And I love sexualizing people I shouldn't.